0: This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more
1: deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Look, we've heard it time and time again. It's more expensive to get a customer than to keep a customer. The struggle to decrease churn and grow account revenue is an uphill battle for most B2B organizations. The struggle is real, my friends. A recent study shows that 30% of SaaS organizations, 30% reported a rise in churn rates in just this past year alone. What's the root of this? What's causing this? Why are customers not only not renewing, but defecting? And how can sales and customer experience work together to decrease churn and grow account revenue? Here to discuss this with me today is Mr. Steve Frame, founder of Strategic Revenue Partners. Steve, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thank you for having me on, and I appreciate the topic that you're addressing today, because it's super important and it is a critical, it's a critical and key element to helping everyone be successful uh, including the customers
1: so i appreciate being on and thanks for for having me absolutely tell us before we get into the conversation everybody you know nobody wants to know about me they want to hear about you who are you who is this mr frame tell us about so, you tell us about strategic revenue partners
0: so most of my friends know me as framer although it did take me till the age of 53 to get a a general contractor's license just because for kicks and giggles uh i, I
1: have to if your nickname is framer you've I got think you to, have to. Yeah, i mean it's, you, a, it's a you have to
0: uh if you want to go all the way back i'm scottish and british and a little bit of viking thrown in uh we've done the family history back to like the mid 1400s and and uh a couple of interesting facts about the frame name they were in the coaching business they loved large horses were the first breeders of the the draft horse from the Valley of Strathclyde, which we all know today as the
1: Clydesdale. So and when you say the coaching business, you're talking about horses that pull coaches. Exactly.
0: But I've been in the coaching business my whole adult life. So I figured it was just a good fit.
1: It ties, And yeah.
0: it explains a little bit of the quirky parts of my personality. The third thing I learned was that the frames were builders of both churches and two-story homes and would always put the family crest above the window in a stained glass little eyebrow window and I've always had a real fascination with stained glass good friends with uh you know Holdman who does a lot of the stained glass around the world is comes right out of Utah County but regardless I've been in sales sales enablement sales management for going on 30 years Uh, my first door-to-door experience was you know back in 88 to 91 and been selling ever since so been super important to me to uh, be able to do what I love, which is coach and develop people. And and I'm a master, uh, I would say, at identifying why people are good at what they do and leveraging their strengths, which is something I've worked really hard at over a lifetime to uh, leave behind the idea of error correction and push to the forefront, the idea of leveraging people's strengths, because the the rate of improvement is far accelerated when we can get people from a mental perspective to leverage their strengths instead of focus on what not to do or where they suck.
1: So I love that. I think we're so aligned in that manner. Uh, enabling people's greatness, extracting the good from within is far more powerful than trying to thwart what might be going wrong I love right. that. all right my friend well it's great to meet you I'm, I'm excited for this conversation so let's just dive right in okay let's start at the beginning right that um, my mom and dad always said if you're going to tell a story start at the beginning although um, there is something said to, to beginning with the punchline but let's start with this first question why do you feel churn rates are increasing for so many b2b organizations right now uh
0: I think there's more than one answer. It's a really great question. Uh, I think at the top of it, and we could spend a whole nother show on this topic is if you start right, you end right. You just mentioned your parents saying that if you bring a client on, who's not a good fit just because they're willing to pay you money and you know, they're not a good fit. As soon as the kickoff call is halfway done or thereafter, you should probably have a professional and a, positive way of refunding their money telling them we appreciate their intentions and we're just not a fit Mm. and part ways in the kindest of fashions in the beginning uh, it's probably not too different than the same strategy that gets used by the biggest you know shoe retailer in the in the country who pays someone $3,500 to quit at the end of training because they've done the math and it's a lot better to pay someone 3,500 bucks to quit than it is to try and carry an employee who's not committed to the cause and the time and effort and energy and cost to replace someone once they get to quota is, you know, 2X their annual earnings. So it's better to pay 3,500 up front in the case of the shoe company than 80 to $90,000 if they have to replace them after they're already, you know, trained and in the seat. So... That would be one. I think we just start with less people and don't take, don't, don't agree to work with the ones that aren't a good fit.
1: Uh, So uh, that's going to have to be uh, episode two with us, you and I, we're going to, we're going to have to go deeper into that because I think there's something there. uh, And I love that.
0: What else? I think think second number, I think the second reason and probably real close, if not even more uh, of a factor than the first is the fact that in a SaaS economy, if your company does not believe in the swarm approach, and when I say swarm, I mean 15 individuals on my side that are somehow connected with 15 individuals on the other side, that might be an extreme. And you think that the two people on your side of the coin, on the, your side of the fence, connected with the two people on their side of the fence, here's, here's part of the recipe for disaster. If one person leaves, and they're your sponsor, you're dead in the water. If two people leave, you're dead in the water. So in a SaaS economy, it is really important, imperative, incumbent upon the company who's bring on a new partner to create as many relationships of trust as they can. And I'm saying it needs to be somewhere in the five to 10 individuals on either side that know each other trust each other and can rely on each other rather than one or two here's a little known statistic uh 72 percent of c-level executives who change roles make technology purchases within the first 90 days of their new tenure so if you have a C-level executive who was your sponsor. He leaves and goes to a new company. Another person comes in to replace him, isn't familiar with your solution, isn't passionate about it, doesn't know the painstaking efforts and year-long, you know, just absolute, you know, rigor you had to go through in a committee of buyers that nowadays is usually between five and seven people. It's pretty, it's a pretty safe bet that he's going to, make some change to technology in the first 90 days he's there because he's going to bring with him what he knows and if you're kind of just flapping in the breeze at that point don't have too many strong relationships
1: with them you're definitely at risk for churn right there just based on one person leaving okay so champion turnover is definitely an issue are there other other things that could could be causing
0: sure misalignment between sales and client services. If we're not tracking the same metrics, if we're not focused on measuring the same things, and in my opinion, if there's not a big, huge client journey map on the wall that shows from marketing all the way through 10 years of renewal and expansion, then what's going to happen is the organizations are not going to be on the same page. Everyone's going to be concerned with their moment in the sun with the client. And once the client comes on board, sales is going to wash their hands of that thing, toss it over the fence and pray that someone in client services is going to catch it. And having coached little kid athletics for the majority of my adult life, I can tell you this, if you don't teach a fifth, sixth, and seventh grader how to make a handoff and how to receive a handoff, it's just going to hit the ground 90% of the time. And it could just be the simplest handoff of all time. It could just be you know, inside, inside, veer right, you know, outside, stretch right. It could be the simplest handoff on the planet. But if the guy catching the ball doesn't put his arms right to receive it, it's going to hit the ground. And I think the fumbles between misaligned organizations from marketing to sales and then from sales to client services, that they just need to be measuring the same things on the same page. And they need to be looking at a client journey map where they see clearly that they continue to be involved. Even after the transaction of, hey, we just brought on a new client is done.
1: Okay, so look, we need to go deeper here. This is, I think, paramount, and we see this often in our own research, uh, in win loss analysis. When we're when we're conducting our research, oftentimes organizations that are in implementation, the satisfaction decreases from during the sales cycle to a decrease in satisfaction during implementation because of this lack of alignment, the dropping of the ball, as it were, like you were talking about with handoffs. So let's go deeper here. Um, What's the cause of the fumble ruski, right? What's the cause of the issue with the handoff between sales and CX?
0: I I can't, maybe because I mentioned this earlier, I'm a little bit more of a leverage the strengths rather than correct the errors kind of thinker. Uh, What I think we can do that will make a tremendous difference, it comes down to really simple things. Like number one, the SDR who introduces the client to the sales executive and schedules the first event has to know and do and follow basic rules and guidelines, which are take good notes, accurate notes, and highlight the words of the clients back to them in your summary email after each call if we just did a better job on the sales side of summary emails being sent to the client that clearly are going to show up in the CRM, I don't expect a sales guy to go in and put copious notes from the conversation. I just expect him to do a really good summary email to the client, and then it's going to be logged in the CRM. When you go to a kickoff call after, let's say, 180 days in a mid-market space transaction that may take six months, There's just no way a human can remember everything that's happened, where we started, what the initial reasons were. But if you want to go to the very best kickoff calls that are ever going to happen, it's really simple because I, I, I did it by accident, I guess, but I had client services coming to me when I was doing sales enablement and saying, I don't know what you're doing over there, but our kickoff calls are light years ahead of where they used to be. And it really just came down to one simple thing. Have the guy who's the sales rep, the account executive, who's going to lead the kickoff call. And what he's going to do right up front is he's just going to say, hey, so we're all on the same page. Would it be okay if I quickly just recap how we got to this point? We started six months ago. You told us that your contact rates weren't really good. You told us that you're really struggling with day-to-day Uh, productivity of your sales reps, there's not enough talk time, there's way too much wasted time, so on and so forth. And then we'd talk to you about how our sales enablement or our sales engagement software was going to allow you to do three things. Now, if we can start on the foot that we started on six months ago, and then we can identify like from the beginning to where we are now, what they said why they said it what why they said it was important and then we can repeat those words back to them their own words then the footing for this thing is a two by two poured footing that meets standard code for a solid relationship if the sales guy for whatever reason doesn't think it's important enough to show up for the kickoff call if he doesn't prep for it if he doesn't have good notes from past engagement it's going to be a real generalized like hey let's go over two or three of the things that we've talked about over the last 180 days, and they're gonna be generic and they're gonna have no teeth to them and there's not gonna be a way to measure it. So first off, you gotta start with him leading that call. And then once the the new client is nodding their head saying, yep, that's exactly what we said, that's exactly what we want. Then you move into, okay, now we talked about for the first 90 days, it's gonna be bumpy. Changing behavior in a SaaS model is key you can't you can't sell a product without helping them make the associated changes to their behaviors so because it's bumpy we're going to be with you every step of the way but here are the three things minimal that we're going to track over the first 90 days to prove that we can help you move the needle and you're going to pick three things that you can focus on that you can achieve in 90 days and you're going to stick to those three and you're going to not worry about a single other thing other than helping them recognize those three things that you covered in the first 90 days. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Not, let's not try and solve every problem that they are experiencing. We just gotta pick the low-hanging fruit, start with that and then achieve it. If, you do, if we did those two things right, 90% of the relationships that end up in a precarious state would be on solid footing, It'd be they'd be more solid. And third, we have to agree that whatever we're gonna measure, that it's the same thing that sales said we could measure. And so, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen people who will come aboard thinking that, you know, the sales guys said, look, these are the things we can help you with. And they're off running ahead down the road saying, but that's that's fine. But what we really need are these other things and we're not measuring the same impact that we told them we were gonna measure from the beginning. So sales and client services, they gotta work together cohesively as a unit, looking at the same client journey map on the wall saying like, look, we're not going to get to renewal, expansion, and a lifetime value for this client that's $10 million if we don't do this you know, lockst- in lockstep
1: together. So I love where you're headed here. And I want to tie this back to one of the first things that you said when we, we got on the show, when we started, and that was you talked about trust. Right, confidence and trust; those those two things are 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 synonymous, and they they start often with confidence, then grow into trust. How does running this play that you just talked about, this alignment, how does that impact impact quickly the relationship of trust early on in the you know in in the handoff? Uh,
0: I believe if you read the speed of trust, that part of the book, the speed of trust, the the book, the speed of trust, part of the things that. Stephen Covey talks about is how in the quick in the in the how rapidly can you build trust with people? One of the key ingredients is your your expertise, your professional capabilities, like do you know what you're talking about? And are you a capable individual as it relates to helping other people solve problems? So that's part of it. So they're going to see immediately if you're if you're staying on Tasked and focused on the problem that we have already agreed that we're going to focus on, then the second thing that's going to matter to them is that you have a return and report mentality where we're going to proactively meet with you every single week for the first 90 days because in the beginning, it's a lot harder than it is a year from now, at which point we'll probably only be meeting on a quarterly basis and we'll have QBRs. But I think one of the key ingredients that I didn't mention, but right at this very moment is whoever made the decision to buy the product, whatever C-level executive, it's in his P&L to sign off on it, budget comes from his group, has to be involved as an executive sponsor at the very minimum, but they have to be involved in the ongoing day-to-day solving problems, making sure this is a fit, making sure this is exactly what we want out of it. The minute that the client relegates the relationship to just one or two sales managers who use the tool and the executive bows out and doesn't show up, doesn't participate and doesn't stay engaged, there's your second biggest reason why someone's going to churn because you cannot function without C-level support and you have to be able to intelligently discuss and talk and point out C-level executive kind of benefits and they have a different language right if you look at the book five love languages and you apply it to business there's an employee love language that has a lot to do with more time off better benefits raise my pay there's a manager love language that's focused on better reporting uh better tools help me hold people accountable and you get to the c level and it gets pretty quickly to making more money saving more money you know, asset protection and making sure that we're in a situation where we liability-wise, we're we're not at risk. And you got to be able to talk to the C-level executives about how you're helping that come to pass. And if you stay in the tactical and can't talk in a strategic fashion, they're going to lose interest in QBRs
1: real quick and showing up because if it doesn't offer a benefit to them, why would they attend? Yeah. There's no reason. So you're, you're driving, you're driving the court here. Let's, let's keep going down the same path. So we've talked, um, uh, quite a bit about implementation and about the the handoff from sales to, uh, CX to start right. You end right. right. Start right. End right. Love this. Let's get to that ending part. Renewals. Conversely, when CX is preparing for renewal, do you feel like there's a lack of preparation for sales reps? Um, uh, who are brought back into the renewal conversation so, or so let me ask you a question yeah, go at ahead. what point do you prepare for renewals so yeah for for me it's it's from day one you're preparing from from the jump i mean from so day if you one,
0: have I mean, a two-year or a three-year or a four-year agreement and your thought process is fast forward to the end of a three-year agreement back up four months and then dig in and start ensuring that you're not going to have an issue with renewal four months away from when it's supposed to start, you're already dead in the water. Preach my brother. Yes. This is is one of the keys to happy client relationship management is you got to pick a project and every quarter you need to be doing active, proactive client account management means I'm going to be a thought leader. I'm going to help you see business blind spots that you don't now recognize in your business. And I think it's true. Anybody who's listened to this podcast has been driving behind a trucker and seen a sign on the back of the truck that says, if I can't see you then and you can't see me, then I don't know you're there. Now, is it a true statement that the most seasoned trucker who's been 40 years over the road driving, if you're in his blind spot and he doesn't know you're there, is he at risk for, you know, Running you off the road? Yes or no?
1: Yes, of course. If you can't. So see- we all
0: have we all have business blind spots. It doesn't really matter how long we've been doing it, how good we are at it. Even the most seasoned trucker has blind spots, and that's why they post that on the truck. It's our responsibility, and this is a little bit Challenger Sale esque. If you've read the book, The Challenger Sale or The Challenger Customer, it's our responsibility to continue to challenge the. Client and our customers to look at their business in a way that provides value to them. If they're saying yes, 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 every time we talk with them, that conversation is of no value to them. What we've got to get ourselves in the habit of doing is training the people who are doing the account management. How do you continue to help them see blind spots in their business and help them look at their business in a way that they don't already look at it and challenge them to think about it in a different way? Because if they're willing to like say, well, hold on a second, that doesn't apply to us. And you say, okay, let's talk about it. There's positive tension there. I'm not talking about the kind of tension that they get off the phone and they say, that guy was an idiot, I never wanna talk with him again. I'm saying the positive tension that you see in kids in high school building bridges out of popsicle sticks, that that positive tension that holds the bridge up. You have gotta be able to challenge them and say, let's do a project this, this next quarter and let's, let us prove to you that in this discussion that we're having, that we can move the needle further and to continue to challenge them and to work with them and to return and report with them is one of the big keys to always being ready for renewal. I don't care if it's a year, two years, or four years, you earn the renewal way before you come to the end of the contract because they like you, they trust you, and they're willing to pick up the phone and call you if they have a problem or a challenge that they don't know how to solve if you've proven yourself they'll pick up the phone and they'll call you and say hey man i need your help on this one this is kind of out of our uh, kind of came in like off the sidelines so to speak but this is the problem we're having we didn't anticipate this now what help us
1: okay the root the root of value is help right? The more we can help our customers, the more likely it is for them to extract or feel or see the value that, we're, that they purchased us for. Again, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is not about just the product. It's about the product and how quickly and how easily they can extract value that is finding results to the business needs that they have. This lack of alignment, we've talked earlier about this lack of alignment potentially being a major problem, major problem not just at the early stages of the handoff between sales and CX, but also clear down to renewal. If we don't start right, we don't finish right. For example, I think you, you mentioned this. So how do we, how do we fix this? How do we realign or ensure that alignment is dialed in between Well, number sales? one, you've got
0: to define alignment. you got to define it. What does alignment mean with the customer? And it has to be something that everyone understands. And if it's, let's, let's just use a real simple analogy. If there's eight people at the company who purchased our solution, and there's only two people at the company providing the solution engaged in this account, you're at risk. So part of your alignment needs to be, where can I find BDR to BDR alignment? It might sound funny, but SDR to SDR alignment, AE to AE alignment manager to manager alignment, you know, uh, client services, account manager to an account manager alignment, there needs to be a a roadmap to A, how do we define it? And B, how do we measure it? Now, uh, we haven't mentioned this once, but I'll tell you the two key indicators that your relationship with your client is solid, that we should be measuring from day one. Everyone in my entire organization, if I'm the selling organization, needs to look at their job and say, look, there's got to be two ways I know I'm succeeding. I'm either making our company money or are saving our company money. And if I'm not doing either one of those and I can't demonstrate it, I should probably start looking for another job. If that's true, then number one, how many proof statements can I capture, which is a single page synopsis of. Here was the really big problem that we ran across. Here was the impact it was having on our client's organization. Cost, turnover, uh, contact rates, whatever. Here's the things that we recommended that they consider. Here's how long it took to implement it. Here's the positive impact that we can measure and the impact that that's had on their revenues with the client's face on it and them saying, you know what? I'm so glad we did this project because this has really been an eye-opener to me. If I can capture proof statements and and go to the biggest problems that clients have and look at them not as, oh, what a headache, but look at them as, hey, here's a really great opportunity for us to go in and show them how good we are at solving problems. We're light years ahead in the ability to renew them. If they see us making their problems a top priority and us solving them, if we can write it up in a one-pager, man, we are light years ahead. And I'll tell you why. It's not because we have the one pager. It's because we can get the client to say out loud, think through this, because they have to first think, then they have to draw a conclusion, then they have to speak out loud. This is why I love working with this company. They did these things for me. This is the impact it had on us. And I'd say, if you're looking for someone to work with in this area, work with these guys, because they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. And And to get them to think, conclude, and speak out loud why they love you is about 40% of the way to renewal. Because if they keep saying that, and we keep solving problems, the theory of attribution says, if I never show up, I never ask them, and we never have that conversation, and we just assume by looking at rates of utilization and how many people logged into our software, that they're using it and that they like it, then we're missing the point here. Because theory of attribution says they're going to take all the credit if you ask them hey how did you do such great things they're going to say well i did a bunch of exhaustive research i found a new tool and we've implemented it this way and this is why i'm such a fantastic sales leader and it has nothing to do with the company that's helping them so if you don't have proactive you know opportunities to capture proof statements and get them to say out loud why they love you you're missing a huge opportunity secondly if you're not getting referrals and saying to them after they give you a proof statement, Oh, Hey, by the way, we're connected on LinkedIn. There's three or four other people, other companies that I can see that you're connected to. Would it be possible for me to use that story? We just gathered from you guys about our success with that project and share it with these four. And I, cause I've already gone through and looked at who I want to go and meet with. They say, Oh, sure. No problem. Tell them if they want to talk. I'm happy to, you know, if I can collect proof statements and I can get referrals from customers, and let's say that 50% of the time, the person who's we're going to call is actually going to reach out to them and say, Are these guys really that good? And they say, Oh, no, absolutely. We've been working together for three years. They've been super instrumental in our successes. Again, now you're 60% of the way to renewal, or probably 70%, just in collecting a proof and harvesting a referral because. It's them telling other people why they love you. They're not usually going to go backwards on that. They're usually just going to stay with you. But if we don't have, for example, the client organization, if the CX leader doesn't look at proof statements and referrals as an essential part of business, then you're going to walk past it every day. It's a measure. It's an absolute measure of how good are our chances of these guys' renewal.
1: Okay. So... Framer, you're you're helping really draw a fantastic question, not only what the cause of the churn is, but how to prevent, right? Preventative measures to churn or defection. If we were winding up our conversation here, if you had one piece of advice, my friend, right? If you're imparting the sage wisdom from the Framer to the rest of the world, what would you tell sales and customer experience leaders to help them create better alignment between sales and CX? What's that one piece of advice? that they should walk away with and do today?
0: I would say, and this is out of left field, but I've thought a lot about this over the years. I'd say rather than working in silos and having an occasional meeting where the first floor goes up to the second floor or the third floor comes down to the second floor, I would say that every leader involved in trying to impact and increase the stick rate of their current clients should, seriously consider a pod alignment and by pod alignment I mean if there was a circle around table when I, when I first got married uh, I, I had a big family I had four kids I married a girl with four kids then we had another so now we have nine it was very obvious to me that we needed a new table my Christmas present to my new bride my first Christmas was me going across the street to a neighbor who's a woodworker and much wiser than me and saying, hey man, help me build an eight foot round. By my calculations, we can seat 14 people at it. It's like the prized possession of my whole entire house. When people come to our house, the only thing that they even care about is like how cool our table is. So if, if I can just imprint in your mind the round table idea, if there were eight people sitting at a round table that in both a compensation factor which will vary because some will make more than others, but in both compensation and definition of the role that they play and participation on a team, there needs to be five to eight people who feel it financially if a client decides to leave. It can't just be one person they didn't renew and the CXM or the CSM or the CSR who's managing that feels like crap. I just lost a client. It's going to cost me. There needs to be five to eight people who, when a client is at risk, can put their heads together and go, hey, this is part of our pool of 200. we got to figure out a way to keep this guy alive. And the sales guy needs to be every, even if his 100% responsibility is net new business and we relegate renewals and expansion to a CSR role, even if he's just net new and that's all he does, he still needs to be willing and able to meet at the round table and talk about hey, I know these people. I work with them for 180 days. I know the players. I know the influencers. Here's how we need to go about this and have a say in it. So in my opinion, it needs to be a pod organization that helps keep people sticky. And we can't just relegate it to one person. It can't just be the CSM or the, CR, the CSR. It has to be a group of people that slightly some are going to make more than others, but in some way or fashion, it it impacts their pocketbook if the client
1: leaves. And there it is. I think if we just took a pin and just pushed it right in the, the, the cork board right now, I think we, we nailed it. So there you have it, folks. Sales and CX can band together to help decrease and churn, decrease churn and grow account revenue. Framer, that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much for joining us on the show and parting of the wisdom. Um, So thank you for joining us on the show today.
0: Yeah. Thank you for
1: having me. And listeners, for more information and resources, don't forget to visit primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. We'll see you next time on the Sales Intelligence Weekly podcast.